You are listening to the World of Games Podcast. Hey guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this big blue marble we call planet Earth. How's it going, guys? Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, right? Hump, hump, humping. It's hump day, Wednesday. Uh, let me just start off by saying, if you happen to notice the audio quality is, well, less than desirable, that's because I'm actually doing an on-location intro. Um, I'm out here early in the morning doing some, of all things, uh, metal detecting. And so I'm doing, I picked that up during the pandemic. And so I'm out here. So far, I have scored an unknown coin, a old race car, and a woman's, I guess you would call, pancake makeup. <laughs> so I found one of those. Haven't scored on the big gold nugget yet. Uh, hopefully in the near future. We'll see. So let me get back home, let me get all these things put together, get all situated, and I will be right back right after this. And uh, you probably remember Trump talking about launching his own communication platform. Uh, especially after, you know, when Twitter banned him and Facebook, I think, banned him as well. Well, it just came out, Fox News are reporting that he has launched it. It says right here, former President Trump launched a communications platform on Tuesday, which will serve as a place to speak freely and safely and will eventually give him the ability to communicate directly to his followers after months of being banned from sites like Twitter and Facebook. I am the chosen one. Platform from the desk of Donald Trump appears on www.donaldjtrump.com. What else does it say? Uh, quoting, In a time of silence and lies, a video Trump posted to the platform Tuesday night says, the video then plays news reports describing the, suspe the suspension from Twitter. A beacon of freedom arises, a place to speak freely and safely, the video continues, showing the new platform straight from the desk of Donald J. Trump. The technology appears to be powered by Campaign Nucleus, the digital ecosystem made for efficiently managing political campaigns and organizations created by his former campaign manager, Brad Parscale. The space allows Trump to post and allows followers to share the former president's post to Twitter and Facebook. However, the new platform does not have a feature to allow users to reply or engage with Trump's posts. So it's basically, I, I guess it's just his, it's a, it's a, I guess it, it's his megaphone. So you can't interact with him, but you can share his posts. It's a one-way deal. Got it. Um, let's see. The site has, uh, the site has a sign-up list for people to enter their phone numbers and email addresses in order to receive alerts when Trump posts a new message. Trump's new platform surfaced Tuesday after, I don't know, I just, I'm kind of, hold on a second. What I just don't understand is everybody else is using Gab. Everybody else is using Parler. I mean, I'm on Gab and Parler as well. 
I just don't understand why he just doesn't jump on those one of those two platforms. I am the chosen one. I mean, is this just kind of his way of, you know, making a buck? But I don't think he's he's not asking for money. It doesn't say anything about that. But I'm just wondering why he just doesn't jump on Parler or any other alternative. Or even on Rumble, you know? I mean, why not? Just saying. It, it's just kind of strange. What was that? Uh, the site has a sign-up list for people to enter their phone numbers and email addresses in order to receive alerts when Trump posts a new message, right? Trump's new platform surfaced Tuesday after advisors had told Fox News that the former president planned to move forward to create a social media platform of his, new, of his own after being banned from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. I didn't know that. YouTube and Snapchat. And Snapchat, huh? And the cap- after the Capitol riot. Well, that makes sense. Instagram is part of Facebook. I think they're pretty much joined at the hip. President Trump's website is a great resource to find his latest statements and highlights from his first term in office, but this is not a new social media platform, senior advisor Jason Miller told Fox News, quoting, we'll have additional information coming on that front in the very near future. So I guess he is still working on something, but I guess it's the only way to get (laughs) if you want to listen to what Trump has to say. From my understanding, he's, he's thrown out a lot of uh, <laughs> some backhanded compliments, I guess you can say. The rollout of the platform also comes just a day uh, before Facebook's oversight board is expected to announce its decision on whether to indefinitely suspend Trump from Facebook and Instagram. The board in January accepted a case referral from Facebook to examine the ban as well as to provide policy recommendations on suspensions when the user is a political leader. Facebook moved to block Trump indefinitely after the January 6th riot in the U.S. Capitol, with CEO Mark Zuckerberg saying that they believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. So why isn't he back on Facebook? I mean, he had his day in court, right? I mean, they tried to railroad him off that, so and he totally proved his innocence on the whole thing. So why isn't Facebook just kind of reinstating his account? Or have they? I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything or heard nothing from them, so I guess they just kind of just said, well, out of sight, out of mind, right? Regardless of Facebook's decision Wednesday, a Twitter spokesperson told Fox News that Trump is permanently suspended from tweeting. <laughs> well, there you go. A Facebook spokes- a spokesperson declined to comment on Trump's new platform. A Twitter spokesperson did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know why he just doesn't go to like Parler or Gab. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think Gab's got their own server now, so they can't be fucked with. And also Parler, they got their own server. Or no, they're actually, <laughs> what is it? They, they, they actually uh, are being hosted or something by a, a company out of Ukraine or <laughs> something like that or out of Russia. I don't know. Some kind of, I don't know technically how that works. That's pretty funny. All right. Well, there you go. It sounds like Trump is going to come back with something in the near future. But for now, I guess you just go to his website at DonaldJTrump.com. Hey, guys. Take a moment and visit my homepage. Click on the support button and drop your boy a couple extra cents and let me know that you care. I really would appreciate it. And now back to the nonsense. All right. So I guess LeBron has been taking a lot of heat since his tweet about the whole Michaela. What was her name? I'm sorry. Makai Bryant, that's correct. 
the whole Makai Bryant situation where he put that, he doxed pretty much that cop that was involved in that shooting and pretty much told him that he was next, a threatening thing to tweet, of course, right? But I guess LeBron got a lot of heat himself over it, and now all of a sudden he's responding. And I'm taking this from the New York Post. LeBron James has expressed regret for his inflammatory tweet about the Ohio cop who fatally shot 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant, saying, the f- saying he fueled the wrong conversation about the teen. First off, what the hell was he fueling anyway? You know, he, he has no business saying a damn word <laughs> about the situation, especially when he was misinformed uh, about, the, about the whole thing. So I don't even know why he talked in the first place. I don't know. The Los Angeles Lakers superstar said on Twitter this week that he owes, quote, it to her and this movement to change, unquote, the conversation. What conversation, man? We should be talking about, the conversation we should be talking about is people like him running his goddamn mouth. Because, I mean, this guy, he influences a lot of people. The Los Angeles Lakers superstar said on Twitter this week that he owes it to her that this movement change the conversation. James also thanked Vox writer Fabiola Seneas, quoting for educating us about Micaiah and her story and why this needs to be about her. He added a link to Seneas' piece titled, quote, Why They're Not Saying Micaiah Bryant's Name, unquote in which she wrote that viewers of various races and political affiliations decided that Bryant was the knife-wielding aggressor. Yeah, why would you say her name? Unless you're saying it in the context of, hey, did you see that young gal try to kill the other young gal? Yeah, that was Micaiah Bryant. (laughs) You know, I mean, say her name that way, not as, oh, Micaiah Bryant, the victim of an aggressor police force. You know what I mean? Something. I mean, they're they're trying to flip the script, and you you got a dope. I mean, let's face it, man. Let's just face it. King James, he's a dope. He's a he's a stupid guy that's skillful. He's a he's a phenom on the floor, but when it comes to intelligence, whatever's between his ears is non-existent. Okay. The guy's bought and paid by the Chinese anyway, so to hell with what he's his opinions are. If anybody's really buying into the whole LeBron James uh, ideology and, and the way he thinks, well, that just tells you exactly what your in- intellect is. You know what I'm saying? Just being real about it. Quoting, the cries of justice that applied to George Floyd did not ring out as loudly for Bryant, she wrote. Are you kidding me? What the hell was the summer of 2020? What the hell was that? Was that an illusion? <laughs> Jesus. Even after it was discovered that Bryant was living in foster care, that she was in the middle of a fight with older women when police arrived, and that she was allegedly the one who summoned the police for help, people, some of the same people who called for justice in Floyd's case, used police talking points to justify the four bullets that Reardon unloaded into Bryant's chest, Sinaeus continued. What a bunch of horse shit, man. Listen to this shit. First off, she wasn't in the middle of the fight. She was the aggressor. (laughs) She had knocked one chick to the ground and attempted to stab her 
but then turned her sights on the gal with that. I think she was wearing like a brightly pink jumpsuit or something. The girl that was coming to the police for help, she went right after that gal, okay? Right after trying to get to the first one, she went to a second gal and tried to take her out. Looks like the damn knife went damn near to her forehead, okay? If it wasn't for the cop, that girl probably would have been dead. So I don't know what this guy's talking about, or this gal, whatever the hell he wants to identify with. And to bring up that whole issue about foster care, what the hell was the parents all of a sudden doing there, out of the blue, right after the whole incident? All of a sudden now, people care about her? Why was she, why was she in foster care? That's what I want to know. Why was she there in the first place? What, now all of a sudden the family cares about her? After she gets shot and killed for making a poor decision? Where were they to raise her? To teach her not to pull knives on people? This is fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> They're making her sound like she was some sort of gift to society for waking us up to the evils of the police. Get out of here with that bullshit, man. I ain't buying it. She also cited Treva Lindsay, a professor of African-American women's history at Ohio State University, who said there are people who won't see the teen as a victim, but as someone who brought this on herself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what, <laughs> I think that's what everybody sees in the video. The two videos, by the way. I don't know if there's a third. And even, if, and even for those who do see her as a victim, they'll still victim blame, erasing the systemic oppression, including the black children, are far more likely to be in foster care than their white counterparts. And kids in foster care are often exposed to high levels of violence. That brought her to being killed at the hands of the police, she wrote. Now, if you want to go to the nucleus of the problem, don't blame the, system, don't blame the, the foster care system. Okay, that's there. Because parents decide they want to commit crimes, they want to be on drugs, they want to be failures to their own children. That's why these children are in foster care systems, okay? Don't blame the systemic racism in, in, in our whatever, in our, in, in our government, in our police, or whatever. That's bullshit. It's the parents' fault for not being there for the kids. And again, I'll say, where the hell were they? Before she decided to pull a knife on two other people. Alright. Let's get, let's get real. Let's get it right. <laughs> Quoting. People will say, I'm really sad this whole scenario happened. But had she not had that knife, that becomes the but. The qualifier. The caveat. Lindsay told of Vox. And too often we have a caveat when it comes to defending, protecting, and caring for black girls, she added. I don't know where she's going off of that. James sparked controversy April 21st when he tweeted a picture of Columbus Police Officer Nicholas Reardon, who shot Bryant along with the ominous-sounding caption, You're next. He later deleted the tweet amid a backlash, saying he took it down because it was being used to create more hate. No, sir. Your tweet created the hate your tweet created the division that we are seeing your tweet created the vilification against police force 
those officers, those same officers that protect you and your family and your friends and your loved ones, those are the people you decided to separate yourself from. The very people that even though you despise them will still be there to protect you and your loved ones. Just remember that, LeBron James, man who's bought and paid by the Chinese government, a sellout to America. You know, I had a lot of respect for that guy. I really did. Even when he was playing against the Warriors and that whole matchup. I still respected that guy. He always, he took the Cavaliers to a trophy. Cavaliers didn't do it. He did it for them. Let's be real. Okay? All basketball skill aside, he's through. He's, he's an idiot and a clown, and, and no one should ever listen to this guy. Just enjoy watching him. Put some money on his ass. But whatever you do, don't listen to him. And it looks like something just broke here locally. It seems to be pretty big news if it hit Fox News. It seems two Asian women were stabbed on San Francisco Street. The suspect is arrested. Police have arrested a 54-year-old man suspected of stabbing two Asian women on a busy San Francisco street Tuesday evening. It happened just a few blocks away from the city's landmark Union Square shopping center just before 5 p.m., authorities told Fox 2 of the Bay Area. Uh, both victims were rushed to a hospital. Their conditions were not immediately disclosed. The unidentified suspect, described as a San Francisco resident, fled before police arrived and the search ensued. He was arrested about 7 p.m. local time, police said. Charges were pending and a motive had not yet been determined. And, of course, they're asking anybody with information to contact SFPD on their tip line at 1-415-575-4444 or text a tip at TIP411 or to TIP411 and begin the text message with SFPD. The stabbings came amid a spike in anti-Asian hate crimes all across the country. The late March horrific video showed an Asian woman being punched, robbed, and then dragged by a vehicle in a San Francisco neighborhood in broad daylight. A national Asian American advocacy group, Asian Industry B2B, called on the Biden administration last month to take action to address this spike. So... Yeah, that's a really sad to say. I don't know what the hell is going on with people in the whole anti-Asian thing. I don't know if this is kind of being uh, pushed on by media, the whole reflection of the Asian community being assaulted or whatever. Unfortunately, this happens quite a lot. Many times a lot of these crimes, they happen inside the Chinatown communities, or the neighborhoods, I should say, in a lot of these big cities. People from outside the Chinatown neighborhoods, they usually come into the Chinatown neighborhoods so they can target them for whatever reason. I guess they think that they're gullible or they're afraid that they, because they're migrants, that they might not report their crimes to the police, fearing that they might be deported or something like that. I don't know. But they do seem to be targeted from people outside their neighborhood. Usually in neighborhood, they come from neighborhoods outside Chinatown, if that makes any sense. And that's unfortunate. All right, here's a feel-good story for all you Peloton users. 
Peloton recalls treadmills after injuries and a child's death. How about that for a feel-good story? <laughs> I don't know nothing about Peloton, to be honest with you. I, I think I, I, I've heard it. I guess there's people that are live. You're, you're, you're working out with an instructor live. I guess that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know what the hype is about a treadmill, but I think that's what it is. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. Leave a message. Uh, I'll listen to you. But let's, I'll just let you know what's going on. Peloton is recalling its Tread Plus and treadmill, Treadmills. The at-home fitness company said on Wednesday, less than a month after it fought the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, as it warned that dozens of injuries and one death of a child had been linked to the machines. What the f- Jesus Christ. The commission, which issued an urgent warning for the machines in April, urged people who own the treadmills to immediately stop using them. Peloton is offering a full refund for the $4,295 machine. Jesus Christ, is that what you people pay for that shit? You know what I do? I buy like $42 shoes and I go for a long walk. (laughs) That's probably the best way to handle it. If you want to get healthy, $42 on shoes and a nice long walk on a daily basis, you're good to go. $4,295 for a machine with a, what, what is this? With a 32-inch touchscreen that allows runners to work out with the aid of instructors. Okay. Just do it! So that's the, that's the niche. Okay. Well, I'd rather save my money. Fuck, fuck all that. Jesus. $42,000. I can think of way better things to buy. But people were spending that money. What was it? The stimmy money? The first, uh, what, what do they call it? The stimmy money the Trump threw out? Is that what encouraged people to get these things? <laughs> wow. That's hell of expensive. Yeah, just, I mean, fuck. Just strap a, what, a, a Chromebook or a laptop to your, <laughs> to your bicycle. <laughs> what? I mean, jeez, that's, that's crazy. I didn't know it was that much. Wow. <laughs> John Foley, the executive, the chief executive of Peloton, said in a statement Wednesday that the company had made a mistake. You think so? First off, <laughs> the, the price of those things is way big of a mistake. Uh, by fighting the agency's request to recall the treadmills and apologize for not engaging more productively with them from the outset. The decision to recall both products was the right thing to do for our Peloton members and their families, he said. The machines were sold in the United States from November to March. The company is working on, working on a repair to be offered to customers in the coming weeks. The commission said in a statement, The software improvements will automatically lock the Tread Plus after use and require a four-digit passcode to unlock it, the commission said. Quoting, today we have taken steps to prevent further harm from these two products, Robert S. Adler, the acting chairman of the commission, said in the statement. The commission said it had received 72 reports of adults, children, pets, and objects being pulled under the rear of the treadmill. 29 involved children, including a 6-year-old boy who had died. Jesus Christ. After the death of the child in March, the company urged users to keep Peloton products where children can't get to them and store safety keys away from children. Where do you do that? How do you hide? Do these things fold up and they can slide them under their bed? I don't think so. I mean, you're going to have to put it in a garage and then just lock the garage door from the kids? I mean, how's that going to work? 
especially if these people were buying them and, and using them in the apartments or townhouses. I mean, that's a small space. I mean, you, how are you going to keep that away from a kid? I don't know. Just saying. In April, Peloton, uh, Peloton <laughs> called the commission's warning inaccurate and misleading and said there was no reason for users to stop using the machine. Peloton stocks soared during the coronavirus pandemic as exercises shut out of their gyms by lockdowns turned instead to remote classes led by enthusiastic instructors. More than 1.3 million people owned its bikes and treadmills in September, and its value more than quadrupled to more than $40 billion. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I see uh, Peloton vehicles drive around. I, I guess they have... You know how they had, what do they call them? The geeks that drive around to fix your computers? I guess now Peloton people. They got Peloton trucks driving around. <laughs> I see them everywhere now. The shares have fallen from their highs as concerns about the safety of Peloton's treadmills mounted on Wednesday. The stock slid as much as 15% following news of the recall. In October, the company recalled about 27,000 of its bikes. Sold between July of 2013 and May of 2016 after it received reports of broken pedals and causing injuries. That's a that's like what three years? Jesus, it took him three years. Daniel Victor is it landed? Oh, okay, this is about the the guy Daniel Victor. He wrote the story. Okay, well there you go, Peloton. Um, and again, and this is from the New York Times. So I don't know how they can spin this story. Bottom line is, again, my, my bit of advice, for whatever it's worth, buy some new shoes, some new walking shoes. Try that out and go for a nice long walk early in the morning with a cup of coffee like I do. Trust me, it makes your whole day turn out great. Okay, I thought I'd end this whole episode with some entertainment news. And a couple of them jumped out at me. Here's one. This is coming from the Huffington Post. Marilyn Manson's ex says, He raped, brainwashed her. I survived a monster, she says. Uh, if you don't know who Marilyn Manson was, he was pretty much... <laughs> he was a bizarre character. He wrote, actually, he had some pretty good-sounding music. I, I enjoy some of the music, but the guy was just way all over the place. I mean, you know, I guess you can say he was kind of like Bowie in a sense. You know, he always dressed up in provocative outfits and stuff. Not so much like a tranny or anything like that. Not all the time. But anyhow, Ashley Morgan Smithline, a woman who says she used to be in a relationship with Marilyn Manson, is speaking out about the emotional and physical trauma she said she experienced at the hands of the shock rocker. In an explosive People cover story published Wednesday, the 36-year-old accuses Manson of raping her, locking her in a bad girl's room, cutting her, and forcing her to partake in hard drugs and alcohol. Smithline told people she met Manson in 2010 and that he lured me in with his endless intelligence. They soon moved in together, she says, and the abuse began shortly after. Smithline describes Manson whipping her as she lay naked and face down on his bed and says he lied to her about the time of day, blacking out the windows so she'd lose track of time. Smithline told people that Manson first raped her while she was sleeping and that she woke up screaming with her arms tied. 
quoting, he kept telling me, you can't rape someone that you're in love with, unquote, she said. Smithline also says she dropped down to less than 80 pounds because of the abuse she suffered, and that Manson cut her ribs, forced her to watch suicide scenes from movies, and once carved his initials into her thigh. She showed the scar in a photo exclusive to people. I have not seen that. I'm going to click on that. Hold on a second. Quoting, I was brainwashed, and it makes me feel disgusting, she said, referring to the scar. Smithline told people the abuse uh, continued for nearly three years as she continued to see Manson during his tour breaks until January of 2013. Quoting, I survived a monster, she told the magazine. A spokesperson for Manson told people that the rocker strongly denies Smithline's claims. This relationship, to the limited extent it was a relationship, didn't last one week, the statement reads in part. Representatives for Manson did not immediately respond to HuffPost's request for further comment. At least 15 women have come forward with allegations against Manson, whose given name is Brian Warner. Earlier this year, actor Evan Rachel Wood publicly accused Manson of abusing her while they dated in the mid to late 2000s. I know Rose McGowan, if you, the actress Rose McGowan, she used to have an issue with him. I, don't, I forgot exactly what that was, but she had an issue as well with the, with the rocker. But this, all these allegations I, I, of these 15 women, I've never heard of it. It's kind of shocking to me, but okay. Uh, quote, I was brainwashed and manipulated into submission, unquote, Wood wrote in an emotional Instagram post in February. I am done living in fear of retaliation, slander, or blackmail. I am here to expose this dangerous man and call out the many industries that have enabled him before he ruins any more lives. Smithline told people that her guilt and shame about what had happened with Manson have lessened since she connected with Wood. Esme Bianco and other alleged victims, however, she says, she still experiences night terrors and symptoms of obsessive, compulsive, and post-traumatic stress disorders. Wow, that's pretty interesting. I, I had no idea about the guy, but okay. I don't know if you just caught that, but my UPS guy just came and dropped me off a package and yelled out, Oh, well, but yeah, again, very shocking to hear about uh, him doing this kind of stuff. If he is um, what she has claimed he is doing, uh, that's pretty shocking. He seems like a kind of a disturbing person, <laughs> but hey, I don't know. I don't know the guy, so we'll see. Quarter law, that's all I'm waiting for, quarter law, but I will definitely be following the story. All right, and one more from the world of Hollywood. This one is from Warner Brothers, it looks like. They are searching for a black Superman. So, this is how this goes. This is coming from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, while promoting his Amazon Prime film, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, in late April, Michael B. Jordan put a kryptonite pin in any rumors that he might suit up as Warner Brothers' next Superman. Quoting, I'm flattered that people have me in that conversation, Jordan told The Hollywood Reporter. It's definitely a compliment, but I'm just wa watching on this one. And rightfully so, because there could be a lot of, who knows, <laughs> backlash from fans of Superman. Who knows? Uh, it, and right off the top, just something noteworthy. He did a movie called 
Fruitvale Station. Uh, it was about Oscar Grant being shot by the police. It was kind of the thing that really triggered this whole situation we're in. I think that's kind of was the starting point. I don't think Ferguson was. I think kind of Oscar Grant's situation was. But nonetheless, side note, I was on that train. Now, I didn't witness the shooting or anything. I just happened to be on the train. I was, in, in fact, in the front of the train. And there was just, we were sitting down. And if you can imagine a subway car or a train or just jam-packed with people on New Year's Eve, <laughs> about 1, 1.30 in the morning, I think it was, it was a nightmare. We were, after that shooting with Oscar Grant and that police officer, we were stuck at that station. I believe, I don't know. I was pretty wasted that night, me and my friend. And I think it was about an hour, hour and a half before they got the train rolling. It sucked because the whole thing was, was I was at the next station. I mean, as long as I was on that train, I could have just probably have gotten off that train and walked home from there. But, I, well, that's Fruitvale. I probably wouldn't have walked home from Fruitvale at 1.30 in the morning. That would have been pretty stupid. But especially on New Year's Eve in Oakland. But nonetheless, it was, that's a true story. So I was there when it happened. I just didn't witness anything. So just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, let's see. And also, I want to check out this uh, Tom Clancy without remorse he's got going on. It looks pretty good. So shout out to him. He's a good actor. I like him. Uh, with that, a whole new guessing game has kicked off centered on who will play the Man of Steel and arguably, arguably, more pressing, who will direct, sources say, J.J. Abrams, who is producing the film, is not among many possi possibilities being considered. When Warner announced in February that celebrated author Tanishi Coates is writing the screenplay and Adams is producing, it did not address the matter of helming. But insiders say Warner's and DC are committed to hiring a black director to tackle what will be the first cinematic incarnation of Superman featuring a black actor, with one source adding that putting Abrams at the helm would be tone deaf. Well, I would probably wouldn't put him in there because what he did to Star Wars was embarrassing. I did not like it. I'm not, I mean, he's done some good films, don't get me wrong. But when they put, when they allowed him to put his hands on Star Wars, fail. That's my opinion. In a fitting twist, the director's search is pitting DC against none other than Marvel, as Warner's looks to fill its Superman vacancy. Marvel is on the hunt for a Blade Helmer and is combining through the same list, but the question will come down to what kind of filmmaker Bad Robot and Warner's want. An up-and-comer who can be backed by Abrams who knows his way around tent poles and franchises, or an established filmmaker like Barry Jenkins or a Ryan Coogler. The former list can include Creed II's Stephen Capel Jr., J.D. Dillard, Regina King, who got raves for her drama One Night in Miami, and Shaka King, who is popular at Warner's thanks to Best Picture Oscar nominee Judas and the Black Messiah, some potential directors have met with both studios for both films. Even as one agent said the process was phenomenally earlier. Meanwhile, Kugler may be a non-starter for either assignment, given that he will be occupied with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which releases July 8th, 2022. You know, I was just thinking about that. 
Sorry if I'm slowing down on my reading. I'm getting, I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a little tired. It's about one in the afternoon. One of the things that trips me out about doing this kind of stuff, I think they were trying to do it with Green Lantern. They were trying to bring in a, a black actor to, to play Green Lantern. I, I don't know if that ever came through. I'd never seen it. I remember Seth Rogen was like a Green Lantern. And, uh, and I don't know, I didn't really buy into that whole thing. I mean, he's a white guy, right? <laughs> so it really doesn't matter about skin color. It matters about the actor, as far as I'm concerned. And as far as, you know, how they were uh, portraying Black Panther is like this big, phenomenal type of breakthrough for a black actor to go into the superhero genre. It, it's, that's kind of BS right there. Uh, there's been plenty of black superheroes in the past before black panther um i just want to know if disney's so or excuse me not disney if hollywood is so focused on uh changing characters just because of their skin color i would suggest why don't you just go ahead and hire robert downey jr to play the black panther wakanda forever in 2022 that would be that would be interesting. Let's do that. Let's let's start bringing. Let's turn Black Panther into a white guy, or why not a Latino guy? Why not an Asian guy? Right? Let's just throw all kinds of people together and just call them whatever we want to call them, regardless of the fact. Right? I mean, that's what seems Hollywood's doing. Why why wouldn't they do that? I don't know. Coates isn't expected to deliver the Superman script until mid December. Likewise, Marvel isn't rushing with Blade, whose start date was pushed from this September, July 2022, so that the studio can spend time working on Stacey Osei-Kafur-pinned script. I don't know how to pronounce her name, and I don't really care. <laughs> to be honest with you, I never heard of any of these people, except uh, Jordan. Uh, while the next Superman will likely land with a named director, the star could be a relative unknown, as was the case with Brandon Ruth, suited up for Brian Singer's 2006 Superman Returns, and Henry Cavill donned the cape for Zack Snyder's 2013 Man of Steel. Neither Superman Returns nor Man of Steel lived up to the outsized expectations, with the former earnings of $391 million worldwide and the latter taking a $668 million by contrast, James Wan's Aquaman nabbed $1.15 billion in 2018, and Todd Phillips' Joker scored $1.7 billion uh, in multiple Oscars. It, funny thing, you know, here's the here, here's funny thing. I've never seen Aquaman, and I've never even seen the Joker yet. But I've seen The Man of Steel, and I've seen Superman Returns. I kind of like The Man of Steel. It was all right with me, so I don't know. I'm going to have to check out that Aquaman. It's still out there. And Joker. I think you still got to pay for Joker. It hasn't even been released for free yet <laughs> to watch. You know what I mean? I uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm skipping through this article because it seems pretty long. It says right here, DC sees its upcoming Flash movie, which began production in April in London, as its way forward in this post-Snyder world. <laughs> With the inclusion of such characters as Supergirl, Sasha Kale, and Michael Keaton's Batman, one thing Flash does is set up DC with a multiverse that allows for many of these incarnations and story universes to coexist and have superheroes interact. So far, every movie and TV show, with the exception of Matt Reeves, the Batman starring Robert Pattinson, and set for release in March 
March, HBO's Max's spinoff Gotham PD and Joker and its planned sequel will take place in the same universe. Yeah, I, you know, and rightfully so. Yeah, you got a whole massive universe, DC Marvel Universe. You can create any character you want. You can bring back characters people probably never even heard of from way back in the 50s and 60s, you know. And you can, you know, bring those characters back to life. I think one, I could be wrong, it's been a while. I think one black superhero also, besides Black Panther, wasn't it like somebody, wasn't it named Black Lightning or something like that? I don't know, I could be wrong. But I mean, changing up Superman, come on. You got plenty, there's plenty of characters you can create. Make some badass characters, you know? Make a character that can kick Superman's ass. Make this, <laughs> make this superhero a BLM guy with a big BLM on his chest. Black and yellow uniform. Flying around wanting to kick a, you know, Superman's ass. You know what I'm saying? The Superman film appears to be moving onto its own track and won't be part of the universe as of now. Sources tell THR that Coates is crafting a Cal L in the vein of the original Superman comics and will have the protagonist hail from Krypton and come to Earth. While the story is, cur is currently being drafted and many details could change, one option under consideration is the film to be a 20th century period piece. Diversity and representation remain key drivers of the DC Universe moving forward. Warners is developing a Latino Blue Beetle movie with Angel Manuel Soto attached to direct. And HBO Max is casting for a gay Green Lantern character for an upcoming series. Hmm. So now they're making Green Lantern gay, huh? <laughs> there goes, well, not Joe Rogan. What was his name? Uh, that, that one guy played Green Lantern, the, the the sad comedian. I forgot his name. The pothead. <laughs> he laughs like a goofball. I forgot his name right off the top. But it looks like they're making Green Lantern gay, huh? Hmm. And the CW's Arrowverse is about to get its second black female superhero series with Ava DuVernay's. Naomi, Batwoman, also features a black lead, Javesha Leslie, just as Black Lightning. Hey, there you go. Is about to wrap up its final season. See, I knew there was, I knew there was a character named Black Lightning. Yeah. So, what made Black Panther so special? I don't know. I guess it was just kind of the, the thing that was going on at that moment. Everybody was just hyping on it. Uh, as for Abrams, who inked a $500 million deal with Warner Media in September of 2019, he will still wield plenty of influence in the DC Universe. With Snyder gone, the Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens director now will have perhaps the largest footprint of his overseas The Justice League Dark Universe for film and TV. Yeah, yeah. again, The Force Awakens, he should have never put his hands on it. I didn't like it. That's my opinion. Among the rumored projects as a Constantine reboot for HBO Max X, at a minimum, Abrams should be raising hell at DC with the Hellblazer protagonist. All right. So there you go. What do you think of that one? Uh, Black Superman? Mm, I don't know. I'm not feeling it too much. I mean, I can care less. I, and again, like I said, there's a lot of characters... Um, a lot of black characters out there. I just don't know why they want to, you know, screw <laughs> screw with characters that are already established. 
that are already in people's psyche. You know what I mean? It, it's, I don't know. It's probably the same reason some of these people want to tear down statues. They just don't want to remember how things really are. You know what I mean? All right, guys, that's it for me today. I hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday, hump day. Make sure you guys stay safe and happy Cinco de Mayo. Forgot to mention, shout out to all my brothers and sisters of the Latino community. Love you guys out there. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. I need you guys to come back and check out my next episode Friday. That's when I'll be speaking with you again. With that being said, again, thank you so much for stopping by my podcast. Check out my YouTube and Rumbles. You can find those links at the homepage. With that being said, peace out, guys.